everybody, Joe Patrick here, Dirty South Soccer, with the kind of season recap of the Atlanta United 2 report. I don't know. We're not actually going to go back through what happened during the season. Uh, In this show, we're going to just talk about um, some of the players. We're going to go through the roster and and pick out the notable players to talk about and just um, what their futures potentially could be with Atlanta United or Atlanta United 2 um, and, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are, where they can improve, what they excel at, things like that. Um, highly encourage everybody also to, to stick around for the second half of the show or the second part of the show. We have about a 15, 17 minute interview with uh, Tony Anon. I got, I talked to him about a month ago or so caught up with him after their season uh, ended and just kind of wanted to pick his brain on his experience uh, managing this team. Cause obviously there was so much shakeup with Steven glass having departed Atlanta United two to coach Atlanta United. Um, and so just, you know, thought it was interesting to see how Tony dealt with that, his perspective on some of the players, uh, that we've been able to watch this season. So definitely stay tuned for that one. But, um, before we do that, we're going to get into some of these players. So let's just get into it just to let you guys know, I'm just going to pick out some of these guys on the roster. Um, just starting with goalkeepers going through the, the forwards who I feel like I can speak about, uh, some of these guys, I think that you, you all, our community will, uh, be able to provide some, some great context and critiques for. So highly encourage everyone. Everybody um, in the comments, anybody who wa- they want to give a shout out to who I didn't mention on the show. Anyway, let's get into some of these players. First of all, starting with the goalkeepers, only one I'm going to talk about is Ben Lungard. He was a new signing for Atlanta United 2 this year, and I thought he really excelled. I thought he was really, really good for this team. Obviously, very beneficial for him personally, uh, the way that the protocols shook out and the fact that he couldn't have Alec Can or Brendan Moore coming down to to take in any minutes from him with Atlanta United 2. Obviously, they didn't get to play as many games. So, you know, there was he featured in 13 games out of the 16. Uh, but I thought he did well. And I think that he definitely cemented himself a role with Atlanta United 2 going forward, if not with Atlanta United. I think that a guy like Ben Lungard at 25 years old, I think you could easily see him uh, stepping up and being a, a backup or, or as third team, uh, third string goalkeeper for the, the MLS side. So, but, but obviously the coaches coaching staff front office will have kind of in their internal scouting. will tell them whether that's the decision they want to make or not, but um, he will, he's been included on the provisional roster for the CONCACAF Champions League. And I think that that's evidence that they like what they see. And he is just, uh, you know, all around solid. He, he kind of reminds me of a Brad Kazan where he's got, he's physical. He can, he can control his box in that way. Also a decent shot stopper. Um, I think that really he just needs to keep on improving, keep on working on communicating, organizing with his front or his back line, things like that. And I think that, you know, you'll see, you, you, I think they have a bright young goalkeeper on their hands. So, um, you know, goalkeepers are kind of, you project them later uh, or on the, a different timeline than you would other players in terms of their age. So I think at 25 years old, still, still relatively young player that you can have, you know, Brad Guzan's contract will end uh, in, in 2023. So at that point, Ben Lungard will be 28. Again, a lot can happen between now and then, but um you never know that that would be kind of the I think the ideal timing if Ben Lungard does improve and is able to be an MLS starter in three years, then you're then you got a 28 year old goalkeeper that you could have around for a while. So, you know, if things work out. That could be a potential possibility for somebody like him. So uh, I think it's very good to see the club kind of, you know. These signings are kind of lotto tickets to an extent for Atlanta United, too. You bring guys in, you see how they perform. And I think Ben Lungard was definitely a guy who performed very well. So uh, excited to see more of him. 
All right, moving on to the defenders. First guy we're going to talk about is Jack Gurr. Jack Gurr is a guy who definitely impressed this year, uh, so much so that he's also been included on the provisional squad for the Gunkcap Champions League game. So he'll definitely be part of that training camp. Um, what does Jack Gurr do well? He's a, He's got great delivery from the right-hand side. He's a right-back. Uh, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, and I think that that's going to really be, a, you know, put a ceiling on on him as far as what he can do um, at the MLS level, especially. But I think that he's a great piece to have for a USL, any USL team, to be honest. So I think Atlanta United, too, is lucky to have him him because of that. I think he could potentially be a role player in MLS. But, you know, it just depends on on how the club sees him and fit how the club would potentially fit him in. Um a solid player, though, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of a Julian Gressel in just his kind of profile as a guy who's not so athletic, but is a really smart player, smart with the ball, uh, good delivery, and is just an asset on that side. Uh, positionally, he, he can he can improve and and make himself a better defender and, and make up for some of his athletic limitations that way. But I'm a huge Jagger fan. He's a great guy, too, uh, just from the, the I don't know a ton about him. I have, have not honestly gotten to talk to a lot of these guys uh, in person, unfortunately, just because of the way that COVID went. We couldn't be around him. Um, we only got to talk to uh, two players before the the COVID, all the COVID protocols. We talked to George Bellow and Will Riley this year. So um, but Jagger, I think, will be uh, definitely Atlanta United two player next year, unless some other team comes and snags them uh, that really like what they saw as well. Next guy we'll talk about is the captain of this Atlanta United two team mode. Jadama uh, thought he was actually really, really impressive, especially like the first half of Atlanta United two season. I was not skeptical, but when you're just replacing a center back, a guy who's going to be slotting in every game for you, you just never know how that's going to shake out. And I thought that he did a great job um, organizing the team. That, that that was one of the most noticeable things about this Atlanta United two side was that they were just more organized uh, across the back than what we've seen previously. And they've played with some really young center backs before, and they did again this year. But Jadama at 26 years old, more experience. I thought he was a really good leader for this team. I just thought he struggled toward the, the back half of the season. Um, and probably it's down to the brutal conditions these these guys are playing in. I mean, if you think that the MLS uh, protocols were bad in terms of teams having to travel same day, all that stuff. I mean, it, it's obviously worse for the USL players who are taking buses and things like that. Um, the travel can just really, really be affect these guys performances and that's a shame um but i think that what we saw in the first half of the season is probably honestly more like the the mojadama you would expect to see um without such a crazy schedule and again he played every single game started every single game that this team played so um i I don't want to you know bang him too hard for that second half of the season but i think that he would agree that he just didn't show himself um the best, but I think that it, like the first half of the season is good enough for him. I, I would definitely take him back. Like if I were making decisions, I think that he's the kind of leader that you want, especially on the back line, especially if you're trying to develop other young center backs. You don't necessarily want two young center backs playing with each other. Um, helps to have them have an experienced head next to them, and I think Mojama could be that guy. So um, I think for that reason, I give him kind of the the thumbs up overall on the season, and would hope or expect for him to be back next year. 
Next up, we have uh, Patrick Nielsen. Uh, this was obviously Atlanta United's super draft pick in the first round of the of uh, what was it, the 2020 uh, super draft. I can't remember how they do the years if they're. Yeah, would have been 2020. Um <sighs> Disappointing year, in my opinion, from Nielsen. He just was not as consistent as I would have hoped he would have been. And honestly, I thought he was not as good in the air as I anticipated him being, considering he's supposed to be this guy who's like a big guy, a four-year college player. He's 24 years old now. Um he made individual errors sometimes that led to goals. Obviously, when you're playing at center back, you can't make errors uh, in the air, especially when you're trying to defend your own box. And it, it happened at least one time that I can think of off the top of my head uh, in a uh, toward the end of a game in a stoppage time that lost a result for Atlanta United, too. So um, I, maybe he sticks around because he's a super draft pick and I'm, I'm not sure exactly how the contract situations work out for those types of players, but um, not uh, a great showing from him this season. To be fair to him, he was dealing with some injuries when he went down to with uh, the first team to IMG for the initial training camp for the season. He had some injury injury issues then. And I think that he was just kind of dealing with that for a lot of the season. So uh, maybe he can prove me wrong and and next year he can have a great year and stay injury free and all that stuff. But considering he's already 24, not looking likely that he's going to be a big player uh, on the MLS stage with Atlanta United, especially considering you've got young players in that same position that you want to clear the path for. And honestly, the, the, the path is already laid out for them. Guys like George Campbell. Um, there's even younger guys. Garrison Tubbs um, is a guy who has shown promise. You know, there are other center backs that are much, much younger than Nielsen um, who will probably be given opportunities ahead of him. But again, a similar to Jack Gurr or Mo- Mojidama, any of these quote unquote quote unquote veteran players that are playing at Atlanta United too, if they can use this opportunity to showcase themselves for other teams, then you know it's a mutually beneficial situation. So uh, we'll see what happens with Patrick Nielsen. Lastly, just wanted to kind of highlight a few guys together, these academy players. Uh, Caleb Wiley was an absolute standout for me this year. He was uh, shockingly good, Uh, and he's shockingly 15 years old. Let me repeat that. He's 15 years old. If you're a parent listening to this and you've had a 15-year-old child... I think that you probably have as good idea of anybody how impressive that is not just to go out there and actually be able to physically perform against more physically mature adults, but I think just the whole concept of being a a professional and obviously he's not a professional right now. He's just in the case in the academy, but he's playing at a professional level and he's playing with a professional team in Atlanta United, too. And so there's something that comes along with that territory of hearing us talk about him on a podcast or seeing his name on Dirty South Soccer or, you know, all these things. Um, and, and we'll see how a guy like Caleb Wiley deals with that as he gets older. Same with some of um, some other players his age. Efren Morales is one. Uh, Garrison Tubbs, I've already mentioned, you know, these guys need to kind of get used. Even George Campbell, just the fact that he got a homegrown deal doesn't mean that he's all of a sudden a fully matured professional player. You know, these guys are still going to have to deal with how to approach, um, you know, the professionalism side of it, you know, how to eat right when you're not 
at the training ground, how to keep your keep yourself in shape mentally, physically, um, all these things. It's it's so difficult. But what Caleb Wiley showed on the field this year was incredible. He can he's very versatile, you know, because of his athleticism and his technical ability. He can play all kinds of different positions. He can play fullback. He can play uh, midfield, which is kind of similar to George Bellow, to be honest. And especially at this age, George was still kind of just converting from playing a lot in central midfield to playing out on the left. So uh, Caleb Wiley has every opportunity to, you know, make what he make to be whoever he wants to be in his career, honestly, at just 15 years old. And I don't you know, there shouldn't be much pressure on him to be producing anything really for Atlanta United, except for just continuing to grow and continuing to show that he's got the talent. But, um, you know, I, I would fully expect Atlanta United is now. Um, trying to get him on a contract, whether that's going to be a homegrown player deal with the first team or whether that's going to be a Atlanta United two contract. The club will definitely want to get him under contract because technically as an academy player, I'm not sure about his eligibility, but, you know, it, theoretically he could, you know, sign with anybody after uh, before he um, or after he departs the academy. So um, really great season from him. And again, I think he's one of these guys who's really benefited from the protocol rules and the fact that a guy like Edgar Castillo wasn't coming down to like eat up the minutes that he would normally be getting to keep Castillo in shape um, or Bello or whoever, you know, like a lot of these young, young players really had an opportunity because those first team players weren't coming down um, to, to rotate and to keep them in shape. So uh, great, great season for Caleb Wiley. Can't wait to see him continue it next year. Same with Ephraim Morales. Well, I wouldn't say Ephraim Morales did not have the same kind of um, impressive nature to his season that Caleb Wiley did, but it'll be another growing year for Ephraim Morales. He just kind of got his feet wet um, at the USL level this year, but he did sign his homegrown player deal. And obviously the club sees a bright future for him as well. I mean, if, if they extended a homegrown player deal, that means their internal scouting is saying that they think he has a real future at the MLS level. So I'm um, looking forward to the seeing these guys play next year. All right, moving on to midfield. I think the first guy we have to talk about when we're, when we're looking at this Atlanta United midfield is the guy who's basically been the rock of this midfield. Who's not even an Atlanta United two um, professional player. He's an Academy player. And once again, uh, Will Riley. And this is a guy who's really, he was opening eyes even last season. I remember talking to Steven glass heading into this season and asking specifically about Will Riley and his expectations for him because you know, just how much he improved and how much uh, of an eye opener he was to me last season um, just stepped in this season and just continued what he wanted to do uh, or what do you want? What he want? What he wants to be, which is a professional player. I, I talked to him. He was one of the two players that we talked to after the first game of the season. Um, against Charleston Battery. And I just remember being struck after talking to him about how uh, his attitude was very much um, driven to be a professional. Like he, 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 he's not going to be a guy who goes up to college <laughs> if he, if he's uh, earning a, a contract at a professional level, he's a guy who wants to push himself. Um, and he really sees this as, as his career, I think. And uh, he had 15 starts in the 16 games just a really, really, you know, does all the dirty work. He, he's right in the central midfield. He's the he's the holding midfielder for this team. Um, the way he reads the game for someone his age, he's 17 years old, is really, really impressive. The way he gets stuck into challenges, the way he is able to 
physically, you know, hold things down at, at such a young age is pretty impressive. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's just that kind of scrappy ball winning midfielder type that is kind of the platform that every team needs um, if they want to go ahead and score goals. So uh, great. Another just good season for Will Riley to to build off of. And, and I just I see him. He could be a guy who gets a homegrown player deal. But if not, uh, I, I definitely see him getting an Atlanta United two contract and he will just continue to to progress. I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, I think he will be a fixture. He will just over time become more and more of a household name as he starts to make more headlines when he gets contracts and things like this. Um, he seems like he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And again, I cannot wait to see what he does next season. Now, next to Riley, we had we saw several players playing kind of next to Riley in the other central midfield role. Um, Abdullah Jope, uh, Babakar NG. Some of these guys are interesting players for sure. Uh, I'm not sure if any of them really um, made a, as a big enough impression to like be like a guy that the club can cannot turn down. Um, at the same time, I think that both of those two players that I just mentioned are very interesting, especially in G. I always found his positioning and his uh, willingness to play forward and play in creative ways very interesting. Sometimes they were a little bit too risky and left Will Riley and, and the defense exposed a little bit if, if the ball was turned over, which it sometimes was. But I always like to see a player um, wanting to take a little bit more risks and, and, and wanting to especially the way he sees the field and would pass and move it, it was just unique it's kind of hard to describe but you know it when you see it and um th that's what really excited me about ng i don't know if the coaching staff sees it the same way again there's internal scouting that they do and and that will determine whether these guys get new contracts or not but that's just my opinion on some of those guys one of the other really impressive academy players that we saw this year in midfield uh, was David Mejia. And he's a guy I would expect at 17 years old. I think we'll probably see him uh, play some sort of role with this CONCACAF Champions League training camp. Uh, I, I mean, I would certainly want to see him. He only had 197 minutes this year, but he scored three goals <laughs> in 197 minutes. He, he's just he wants to get into the box. He's creative player, technical. He's kind of small, curly hair. Like he's kind of crazy looking, but um, I really he I just love him. I, I love the creativity similar to NJ. Like I just love the willingness to get in the box and the way he passes and moves and wants to and, and sees the space that can be exploited. Um so really good season from David Mejia. Uh, I, I can't wait to see more of him. But I think one of the guys who was one of the biggest head turners when we talk about academy players on this team was Coleman Gannon, who played in every single game, started 13 of the 16 games, uh, scored three goals, had one assist. Um, I'm sorry. He only had one goal uh, and two assists. But he was you know, clearly one of the uh, key attacking players in this team. I, I usually they were they were coming out in the three four three earlier in the season. Then they switched up the tactics, but he was a very creative player, versatile player, uh, athletic, good technique. Um, I, I think sometimes he he needs to improve his decision making when he gets into the final third. I think sometimes he just rushes his decisions a little bit and he maybe could um, pick out some better passes here and there. But I mean, he's, he's so, he's so young. He's only 18 years old uh, and that will improve with time for sure. So I think what we saw out of Coleman Gannon is a guy who's definitely going to 
uh, be in the picture for a homegrown player deal. Again, we're I'm saying that phrase a lot because there are there are a lot more talented players that took part with this Atlanta United two team. And when you're talking about how this Atlanta United two team is going to work, what you're really going to do is you're going to sign players out of the academy and then have them play for Atlanta United too. So that's where Coleman Gannon will fit in. And he's, he's been named to the provisional roster for this CONCACAF champions league um, game. Like, so he could, he could potentially play in the game, um, which would be fascinating. I would love to see him at least make the bench. I think it'd be really interesting, but uh, yeah, keep an eye out for Coleman Gannon. Great season for him. Again, a lot of these guys had really good years. One more midfielder to get into before we head into the forwards is uh, Amir Bashti. Amir Bashti was uh, the player that Atlanta United took in the second round of the Super Draft, which I guess would have been in 2019 when they selected Anderson Asiedu uh, in the first round. And I remember going to talk to uh, Asiedu and Bashti um, back after they had gotten drafted when they were participating with Atlanta United's first team in the preseason training camp in 2019. And Bashti definitely struck me as, as kind of a, a shyer guy. Um, he, I remember he was just like very open. I, I asked him what his preferred position was and he kind of said anywhere in the front six, which I think signals that, you know, he clearly sees himself as an attacking player, but he's obviously willing to just do whatever he can to be on the field. So what happened after that was he went through this training period with Atlanta United. And then I want to say he went, he left and he went to go play for another team that was back out where he went to college, which was uh, he went to Stanford. Yeah, so I haven't been able to confirm this with him um, individually, but according to Wikipedia, he went and played for a team in San Francisco um, after that that training period. Uh, But then Atlanta United, too, signed him last year and he played pretty well. He was definitely an interesting player, Uh, maybe overly aggressive sometimes, both with his what he wanted to do with the ball. And I I think he got a red card at at one point with just a just a bad challenge. And he just would he wants to get stuck in. But, you know, not the best defensive instincts to to be doing that kind of thing. Um, Don't know if he'll stick around, but I, you know, he was interesting. He's definitely when you see him on the field, he stands out as like a different type of player. Definitely a, a creative type really wants to be on the ball, kind of slows the game down, a, not in a bad way, but just like that's it. like his style is more patient on the ball, uh, I guess I, is how I would describe it um, and creative. He'll try to pull off some unique passes like, you know, trying to cut a ball back, like a reverse passes, things like that. Uh, he has kind of a, a creative eye to him. So uh, interesting player. Don't know if he'll be back. Don't know if he did enough. Uh, it, it really just depends on what kind of group they want to bring in, if they have any other targets they want to bring in from outside. But I'm sure he he will be a guy um, that's kind of, you know, on, on the brink of of being with this group next year. All right, looking to the forwards before we get into this interview with Tony Anon. Just going to focus on three guys, although technically we could. Uh, I already talked about Coleman Gannon. You could you could throw him in as a forward if you want to, because uh, he did oftentimes, especially at a 3-4-3, he would be grouped in as part of that front three. Um, but Philip Goodrum, uh, again, another draft pick from the team. Thought he played really well this year. He he, he works hard. He's, he, he's, he's more physically capable um, for this league, which is a benefit when you're playing alongside a lot of younger players. Like you kind of need some 
some guys who are going to uh, push the other team physically a bit and take some of that load off of them. So he was good. He very direct, um, direct in a good way, like running at defenses uh, with within without the ball. Um, I always liked what I saw from him. I just liked I just thought that his presence was a real um, attacking driver for this team. Like he really wanted to help push the team forward. So um, thumbs up for me for uh, Philip Goodrum. Uh, another guy who I didn't see this coming, but Mackie Jope was just uh, he was fantastic for this team, um, especially when when Jackson Conway was out. They were missing Conway. He was suffering from a foot injury at one point, and then obviously he was serving a suspension at one point. Mackie Jope filled in for him, like not even fill in for him. Like he he was competing with Jackson Conway Um just as the team's starting striker, the, as the best striker. I mean, he is impressive physically. Mackie Jope, uh, he's tall, fast, can fin- he, he finished all kinds of ways. He would slot some in like clinical finishes to the bottom corner, um, get his head on the ball. Sometimes he had some absolute thunder bastard <laughs> types of goals. I mean, and, and to show all of that in such a sport, short time period of just 16 games, uh, I thought it was really impressive. And honestly, if Atlanta United doesn't have him back, it's probably because he's playing for another team that either gave him a better deal or, or was giving him a um, better chance to to show him, showcase himself um, because he was he was really impressive. And I think that he would be this team's uh, one of their primary players um, next year if he's back. And I, for one, hope that he is back. Uh, and finally, the last guy to talk about is Jackson Conway um, both Jackson Conway and Matthew Jope tied for the team le- uh, team leading goals so that, I mean, that just shows kind of how neck and neck they were um, what can you say about Jackson Conway though I mean what a what a talent what what a what a prospect you know he's physically so mature for his age I think Atlanta United's website had him listed at 6'3 though I can't find it right now um, I don't know if he's that tall. Uh, that that would put him at Adam John height. But the, I mean, if he's not six three, he's not far off. Like he is uh, physically impressive, and again, similarly to Mackie Joe, but I think even more so, it stood out with Jackson Conway. I was just really impressed with the way he scored his six goals this year. Um, they were not just him getting on the end of a cross or you know doing something scrappy and finding the back of the net. What I saw from Conway was a mix of just pure sensational goal. Like he scored one against Tampa Bay Rowdies from about 30 yards out, 35 yards out. Anybody can do that once in a while, but he was doing it with some regularity. Like we saw a similar type of goal, not from the same kind of range, but we saw on the one where he got the red card, um, a very well taken goal uh, that was hit first time with finesse from the edge of the box, just perfectly placed. Um, And there was one goal and I can't remember who it was against, but I remember talking about it on this podcast because it impressed me so much the way he was able to receive a ball in the box. And he had a bit of composure to just let the play around him kind of continue for a half second. And that allowed him to find the space that he needed to tuck, to tuck the ball away into the bottom corner. Like, that's the kind of composure that is unusual to see in an 18 year old. And it's especially unusual to see, I think, in a in a kid that is so physically impressive, uh, because typically when you do have those physical advantages at that age, you just progress through the academy, you know, through the, through the youth ranks 
using that physicality advantage and dominating your opponents and not really developing some of those more nuanced traits, you know, that little bit of composure, that little bit of technical skill to be able to to pull off something in the box. Um, that's what's so impressive about Jackson Conway. Uh, he is uh, English born, so he definitely could could potentially leave though he is on an Atlanta United 2 deal um I'm not sure how long the deal is for they always keep the lengths of the contracts under wraps so they can you know that information is not publicly available to everybody but um I would be shocked if he's not on a homegrown player deal by the end of this year or but you know by the end of the start of the next season really really bright hopes for him and I would love to see him be on a homegrown player deal because I think he would contribute to the MLS team. Like when you're talking about uh, having a a backup striker who can do something a little bit different from Joseph Martinez. And and that was kind of the idea behind Adam John. I think Jackson Conway can be that guy. Now, I don't think that, you know, they, they shouldn't have signed John because you had Conway here. But I think what Conway showed this year was the kind of consistency you wanted to see out of a player. Um, and, and he can fill that role. I think he has struggled with injury. Uh, he has tended to have some things which may be not helped by the fact that he is so big. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. I think that y- you can't predict those things. He's going to be an Atlanta United player, hopefully, <laughs> next year. Um, and I can't wait to see it. All right. I think we've covered um, most of the notable players, at least that I wanted to talk about. But um, again, feel I, I hope we get some some conversation going in the comments about some of the players who are a little bit more under the radar that I either didn't talk about or maybe glossed over a little bit. Um, really excited about this group overall. Again, I think it's the, the talent was just increase this year and I talk I'm not going to get into the whole wins losses thing with this team but when you talk about 15 year olds 16 year olds 17 year olds 18 year olds how many of these guys have we talked about just on this show who have been so influential to this Atlanta United 2 team and been legitimate producers on the field I mean that's just really really impressive to see and that's exactly what you want that's what that's what keeps Atlanta United as a club long term sustainable is to be finding cultivating that talent locally developing that talent and 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 for that talent to then be useful at the MLS level by doing that by by bringing those players in that's going to leave you more flexibility to spend on players from on you know foreign players that you want to buy um, on the transfer market whether they be DPs or even just TAM players. So uh, all of it gives you flexibility. And I think Atlanta United is set up for uh, so much long-term success in this department. I, 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 that's to me, part of what makes a club, a soccer club, really a club is, is using that kind of um, home territory to your advantage. And uh, I think Atlanta United is doing a great job and Tony Anon can't be given enough credit for that. Speaking of Tony Anon, let's get his thoughts on the season because he can tell it us better than anybody, uh, but we'll do it right after this break. So crazy season, <laughs> I think to say the least, and something probably you've never experienced. I know for me watching soccer, I've just never seen something like this happen, both with the pandemic and all the, the things that that brought, and then obviously the midseason coaching change. What can you say about these this team? A lot of them are young kids, the way that they were able to kind of take everything on board and kind of roll with everything. Um, I think the first thing is, obviously, like you mentioned, it's it's been a crazy year for everybody since uh, March hit. Um, obviously, a lot of change not only were we in lockdown, then we came out of lockdown, then there was a change in coaching staffs. Um, 
But I think the, the youth of this team actually worked in our favour. Um, they're so resilient. You know, Stephen, Stephen to me is a bit of a change. Uh, we're not the same kind of coach. Um, but they never missed a beat. You know, myself and Matt um, took over the team. And from the first session, it was just business as usual. You know, big effort, working hard, great feeling around the team. There was never like a settling in period, um, which was a credit to the guys and obviously a credit to Stephen because he had them in a good place. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the youth of the team really worked in our favour as they didn't feel a big change. They just went about their business and cracked on with what was, what was happening. So I think that was probably the main part of what made the, the transition easier than anything. It was just the group's mentality. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something interesting there that I want to follow up on, which is kind of the difference in coaching style between you and Glassy. Can you kind of kind of describe that any anymore? Um, you know, it's funny because we didn't really get to see a lot of you, your coaching up close, you know, because we weren't able to go to games and things like that. Yeah. Is it uh, can you can you kind of describe that difference a little bit? Um, I mean, I say differences. It's more personality. And, you know, I've been kind of around the youth game a lot longer than Stephen was. Mm. Um, so I kind of understand, I think, youth players a little bit more. He's Stephen's geared towards a professional player more, I think. Um, so I think it, just my approach with players, Stephen has great relationships with the players. He's, he does a great job with the players. Um, it, it's just a difference in personality and difference of approach. You know, I think sometimes I'm a little harsher than Stephen is and more direct, and maybe, maybe a little bit blunter than he is. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something I actually learned going through this process with some young professionals and some veteran professionals. That's not always the case and shouldn't be always be the case. So when I say differences, I just mean my sessions and the setup of my sessions and the way I implement them with Matt is probably different than the way Stephen and Henry were doing it. Mm -hmm. But again, it's not like it's, I'm a, Completely different coach to Steven, you know, so. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, you, you talk about kind of you being more um, ingrained with young players, things like that. You obviously leaned on them a bunch and they were really, really impressive. Some of these kids are um, pretty, pretty amazing to watch. Caleb Wiley, uh, Coleman Gannon, um, uh, Will Riley. What can you say about I mean, you're, I feel like I'm asking you to compliment yourself because you're in both of these roles as the as the you know the youth development director and then also as the coach this year. But what can you say about these kids? The way they've been able to step up a level here and, and play at you in USL against grown adults and carry their yeah. own. I think I said it in a few interviews and a few in, uh, press releases when they came out. But usually, you know, there's a fear to play youth because it'll let you down or they'll make mistakes or. It'll cost you games. Um, obviously, I don't have that fear with them because I believe in them. And I believe that usually when you, when you give youth a chance, it very rarely lets you down. Um, short term, yes, mistakes. You know, we lost quite a few games because of silly mistakes in the last 10 minutes of a mm -hmm. game. But yeah. Big picture, long term, it was the worth every, every time we did it, it was worth it. And they learned something from it. And even the veteran players on our team complimented our young guys. Other coaches from other teams after games would compliment the ability of our kids, you know. So I think it's a credit to the academy staff and the way they've worked. Um, I didn't coach each player individually. 
their whole career. But it's also the players have some ability as well, some natural ability that's not been coached, that's not been developed. It's natural ability. So I think, you know, it is a compliment to the academy to be able to push these kids through. And we're starting to bear fruit because we're still a young academy. Um, but even like in the past, George Bellow, George Campbell, Tyler Wolf, they all played USL games and it all did them the world of good. So, <clears throat> and there's nothing saying that they won't play USL again to get more minutes. But I think, yeah, I mean, it's a compliment to the whole club, not just myself, but the staff who work in the academy is Caleb Wiley. I've never coached personally until this season. Mm. You know, Matt had coached him, Steve had coached him. So guys in the academy have brought Caleb Wiley along and youngest player in the league by far and probably the most effective youngster in the league by yeah. far. I wanted to ask about him specifically because of indeed how young he is. I think he's 15 or at least he was at some point this oh, season. He's still 15. Is he he's still 15? 15? He's 16 coming up, but he's still 15. Crazy because when you watch him, he looks like one of the more talented players out there, at least in my opinion. And, you know, athletic gets up and down the field. Uh, how rare is it to see a kid like that? And does it give you hope that there is this much talent in the area that you can just continue to try to, find these guys uh i mean gives us hope absolutely i think the area has a plethora of good players and good clubs and good good coaches who are doing a good job uh in the community which help bring in players like caleb wiley caleb wiley came to us at u12 at the beginning um and i think he's he's, he's he was never like a standout standout you know and he even when we put him into usl he wasn't exactly our leading player. Mm. You know, Bello the same, <clears throat> 15, you could see what was coming with George. Um, and not to get overly excited about Caleb and trying to keep everything in perspective. <clears throat> he has talent. And he's, got, he's mature above his years when he's on the pitch. Um, and he does have ability, but he's got a long way to go. And we've got to keep pushing him and keep individually getting into him to make sure that he, he reaches what we hope he can. But yeah, I think there's talent all around and it gives us great hope that we can continue to do this and continue to give them opportunities. Uh, I, again, I know that you, you want to be careful in terms of hyping up players and things like that. But one of the other youngsters that clearly made an impression this year was Jackson Conway. And it's just it shows in the quality of the goals that he scored. Lots of different kinds of goals, you know, Um intelligent runs obviously you know just very technical goals with with the skill that he has can you talk about what are his strengths as a striker both strengths and where he can improve still yeah i mean look people often forget how young jackson conway is yeah yeah he's literally 18 years old and we think he's 22 23 because he's been around for a while and he's he took his contract a little earlier and but he's still only 18 and i think again putting things into perspective Yes, he scores goals. That's the strength of his game. He can score on the, with his head. He can score with a volley. He can break through and tuck one-on-ones away. He's a very good finisher. Um, but also, he has things in his game that he has to, he must work on to improve, to get to the level that he wants and we want him to get to. You know, he still has a few bad habits that we're trying to break. Um, but I think he's the main thing for Jackson, if he's going to be successful at an MLS level of soccer, he needs to be tougher. He needs mm. to be more resilient in the challenge. He needs to win his duels better. He needs to use his frame, which he's gifted with, yeah. to his advantage. And that is something he's getting better at, his hold-up play. 
bringing other people into the game. Uh, he's moving off the ball. He's getting better and better. He's, he's, he's getting smarter with soccer savvy. Um, but these are all things that are hopefully going to come in the next few years, not forgetting he's still 18 years old, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's and uh, got, got talent. That, that youth kind of showed after he scored the one goal where he got the yellow card for taking off the shirt. That was a big thing with fans. Obviously, it kind of was a, one of those things that pops on social media. Did you talk to him at all about that? Or is that something that a player just kind of understands when it happens that they kind of screwed up there? Um, I'm just kind of curious about the learning experience, like the takeaways that a player like that has when something like that happens. It's funny because I must have got 20, 25 texts when I got <laughs> back into the locker room. I know you are raging. I know you're going to rip Jackson a new one. I know this is not good, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, if, if you ask people about how I am with youths, I'm, I hold them very accountable. I'm very strict. I, I believe discipline is a big part of development. Um, so everybody expected me to rip Jackson a new one. And I didn't say anything to him after the game. I didn't really bring it up to him. Um, the next day I left him and everyone's waiting for this explosion. Um, and on, I think on the, on the third day, I pulled him to the site and I said, listen, am I disappointed? Yes, very. But not only because you've just got yourself on a run and you're in form and you're scoring great goals and now you have to sit out and allow somebody else to take your place. But the biggest disappointment for me was you showed great immaturity by doing that. And he said, look, I was excited. That's a free kick we've been working on since we were 15. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. And I got so excited. And I said, I get that. And I'm not going to punish you. And I'm not going to fine you. I'm going to leave it with you. And I'm going to let you take responsibility for this one. And that's all I said. And for me, that was a good moment for him and I, because usually I would have just claimed in and said, listen, you let us down. And I would have served the punishment. But mm-hmm. It was a good moment for me as a coach, but also for him as a player to say, look, you're a professional. You're not an academy player anymore. You are a, a professional player and you have to take responsibility for those actions. So that's kind of how I dealt with it. Um, that's kind of how I sort of took the approach with him. So. And, and did, you, did, did you see a better Jackson Conway after that? Or did he, do you think that he took that kind of the way that you handled that situation? You think that he handled that well? I think he was surprised the way I handled it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he was expecting a rinsing. I mean, uh, it goes back to what you were describing earlier with your own coaching style as being, you know, with a youth player, you would want to kind of drill that discipline yeah, exactly. into them, you know? I took a good message from it too. Like, he did actually train 10 times harder after that. You know, I made him pick up pennies. I made him pick up balls because he sure. wasn't playing. And I even considered making him a ball boy at the game. <laughs> <laughs> I thought better of that. Um, but I think he, he took it on board. He apologized to everybody. He apologized to me, to Henry, to Stephen, even though they weren't coaching the team at the time. Um, and I hopefully it just put it down to some inexperience and some immaturity that he never makes that mistake again in the future, which I, I don't think he will. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned something earlier that I want to go back to as well, which is some of these older players. Um, I say old. They're still in their early 20s, but they seem like these you know, wily veterans um, because of just the difference in age between some of the these academy kids. But, you know, Mackie Jope, Jack Gurr, uh, Mojadama, these guys really seem to, they, they were very effective for the team. Like it, for, in a tactical sense, um, it seemed like, you know, they were just, they're quality players that helped the team do what they do, what it wanted to do on the field. What do you yeah. say? What can you say about some of these older guys and the way that this team was, 
um, developed in the off season with some of these players that were brought in. Not do that right now, please. Thanks. Sorry. Um, good. Basically, I mean, you can't just have a team full of teenagers, right? You can't just have a team full of young guys with no experience. You have to have a blend of some. I call them veterans. They're not like thirty something, right? They're twenty five, twenty six at best. So it's important that those players take their role responsibly and uh, help the young players grow, which I think all three of the ones you mentioned did. There was others as well. But, you know, Jack, Mo, Maki, Abdullah, who's only 20, um, they all stepped up and took their role within the club very seriously and within the team. We did change some tactics from how Stephen was approaching it to how we were, and they just soaked it up. You know, and Matt, the assistant coach, who's a young coach but really switched on, um, he did a lot of individual work with those guys, a lot of video and saying, look, we're not just focused on the young guys. We want to make you better too. And I think we got a really good response from that because everybody wants attention and everybody wants a pat on the back and everyone wants to know that they're part of a, a team. But if you take Jack Gerb, for instance, I mean, it's his first professional season. And for me, he was probably our most consistent player and really effective. But he also took the role of a mentor for those young guys around him and never, you know, never ignored them and never sort of looked past them. So again, going back to the whole group being very, very cohesive and every session they were buzzing, every session they were trying really hard to, to achieve something. That's a unique situation, I feel, um, especially at the professional level where you have so many different personalities. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, that made it really enjoyable too for mm -hmm. the coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I guess just kind of one more to wrap up on, you know, this team was, for again, this is just my opinion, really a breath of fresh air because kind of, Part of it is contrasting to the the, the struggles that the team was having um, at the MLS level, but this team was just so attacking. Like it really Sorry. just felt like it had a thrust going forward that was so um, just an entertaining to watch. Did you have as much fun coaching this team as I had watching them? Because I had a, I had a ton of fun just watching this team over the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, okay, we lost a few games late on in the game because we again down to some sometimes some poor decisions where we're winning 2-1 and we're going for three and we don't need to go for three we just see the game out um charleston miami i mean you can keep going with yeah it was a crazy run there <laughs> but it's also you know you've got that balance of let's go get them let's go take it to them and let's have fun doing it and then trying to dial that down and switch it off is very difficult for some players mm -hmm. you know like a phil Goodrum, who's just go, 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 go. Phil, last two minutes, can we hold the ball and not go for a third? Amir, the same thing. It's, like, it's, it's a really difficult balance. And as a coach, you set your philosophy. Let's play forward. Let's attack. Let's commit numbers. Let's have fun. Let's take it to them. Let's not respect the fact that they're older than us. And you, you build this whole philosophy of let's go get them. Um, and then to turn it off or to turn it down is really difficult. So you've got... It's hard. I mean, Tata had the same yeah. opinion. This is the way it is. And sometimes you're going to lose through doing it. Sometimes you're going to be the most entertaining team in the world by doing it. Um, and I think Bielsa, if you look at Bielsa's leads, they're the same. It's yeah. either all out or it's nothing, you know? So it's, it's a fine balance. Um, but in development, those mistakes are crucial too, right? It's like, if you don't make them, you never learn from them. So Coleman learned against... Uh, Tampa in the last 10 seconds he 
could have cleared a ball and decided to try and dribble out and gets ripped, goal scored. They think they've won the World Cup. Uh, <laughs> but Coleman felt that for days. Yeah, yeah. Which was great for me because he's an 18-year-old who mm-hmm. needs to feel that, you know. So, um, yeah, we had so much fun. Like, I was sad when it came to an end because I was having so much fun getting out there every day and working on a principle every day and trying to get it. You know, our press towards the end was great. Our build, our attack was, I felt, as good as it had been all season. And then it sort of ends. Yeah, so I know. Very map pretty bummed when it ended. <laughs> I know, so abrupt. And I feel bad for the kids, you know, the fact that they didn't get to play more games than they would have in a normal season because it seemed like they... Really enjoyed yeah. it out there. I think. Um, I mean, I think if we'd have played if we'd have played in a normal league. I think we'd have won a fair few games more than what we normally would. But just the way the team was going and the team was playing. So, but again, yeah. playing Miami, Tampa, Miami, Tampa, Charleston, Miami, Tampa, Charleston was, was tough going. Yeah, yeah, those are tough teams. All right, well, Tony, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk to us here. Um, and hopefully we can catch up again soon. I don't know if you'll be still coaching the twos or whatever, but I always would like to chat with you every so often. So thanks for joining. We'll see what happens, I guess.